I love this weekly parade. So I know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this several times as we're, we're a couple weeks into allow, asking like all the kids to maybe stay in the room for the first part. And uh, I know uh, parents, because I'm a parent. I know when your child makes any noise, you feel like the whole room is disrupted. And so some parents in the room may still feel a little bit uncomfortable with the fact that their kids are making noise in the first part of the service. So let me to officially say it. It's good noise. We like it. We want that, right? We want them in here. We want them to know they're part of this community. We want them to hear the music. We certainly don't want to subject them to my sermon. We understand that. But uh, I, I love it. I love the extra noise. I, I, it's, it's great. There's extra life in the room. Um, it gives, it gives our, our uh, child care workers a chance to stay in the room some. So thank you for doing that. And parents, if you feel at all uncomfortable, it's just you. We're good. Um, I'm also noticing uh, something happening here, which is um, since I've been stuck behind a pulpit, which is normally I, I was on the floor in other places we've met, but it just didn't work out here. It's too small a room. People can't see me, and they, they made me stand behind a pulpit. Um, but it also means that everyone's now started to move towards the back of the room, uh, and I'm not comfortable with this. So uh, I'm going to start wandering at some point. Maybe not tonight, uh, but uh, feel, free to, feel free to move forward a little bit. It's fine. I, I hardly spit. So, all right. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And uh, let me read these verses, and then we will, uh, we will uh, hear some words, and then you will get to the potluck that you're actually here for. So, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. It says this, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was, dra- was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has been raised, as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him. They took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee. There they will see me. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. All right, on this Resurrection Sunday, uh, this is a call and response we make to each other to remind us of the good news of this Christian story. Christ dwelt among us. Christ was killed, but Christ has risen and Christ will come again, right? Death has been put to death. That is the Easter message. That which we fear most has been rendered impotent as a weapon against us. It is the essence of the good news that we celebrate each week, but particularly on Easter Sunday. Apostle Paul, or sorry, the, the, the writer Paul that writes the, uh, the epistles, calls it foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us being saved, it is the power of God. And I understand why it's foolishness to people. It's actually accused very often of being a pretty foolish thing to claim. That there was a guy who was killed and then came back from the dead. It's a little far-fetched. It's why we've come up with more reasonable explanations for what Easter is all about. 
a random bunny that walks around and puts out eggs. It's not just the sense that this idea of resurrection is a fantastic claim to make. It is that. But there's also an accusation that I, all of us have heard uh, who've, had, who've opened our ears to critiques of faith or religion. But there's a critique that says it's an oftentimes it seems like just a convenient story to tell ourselves in a scary world to make ourselves feel better. So I want to start tonight in a way that's probably not advisable on Easter Sunday when you have visitors and everyone's here and everyone's excited. I want to start with that critique of religious practice. Perhaps the most famous version of it, version of it is an argument that came um, from Karl Marx, who I'm going to go ahead and say you're the only one that's going to hear Karl Marx you know, quote on Easter Sunday would be this church this week. <laughs> Doesn't happen a whole lot. <laughs> he said the following, Religion is the sigh of an oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, the soul of a soulless condition. It is the opium of the people. It is the opium of the people. And then he says, the abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. An opium of the people. The abolition of it as an illusory happiness is the demand for real happiness. Marx was not a fan. It's the proposition that religion keeps the status quo in an unjust world. Because it soothes us. It helps us to feel better about things that we shouldn't feel okay about. It keeps us from engaging the world in the way that we should because we're just waiting for the next world to come. It's a kid's story we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better in the dark night. So, bunnies, eggs. I think what bothers me most about this critique is that sometimes, sometimes it feels a little true. There's some element of truth to it sometimes, right? I certainly see plenty of religious practice that could be described as drug-like for its adherence. Like it is helping people plug their ears and cover their eyes and settle for easy answers to hard questions in a world that demands some kind of action. You've experienced it in some way. If you've ever lost someone close to you, you've probably been on the receiving end of very religious uh, comfort from others that is offensively disconnected from the real pain you're actually feeling. Someone has offered you Christian opioids trite religious answers that fit on a bumper sticker but lack meaning in the real world. I'm sure at, my, at times in my life I've been guilty of it just like many others have. And understandably so. Because the truth is, the world is a scary place. And sometimes I'd like a little bit of distance or distraction. I'd like to be soothed from what's going on. I don't know if it's just me. I don't think it is based on conversations I'm having with people right now, but it feels particularly true right now. It seems like the world is actively shifting under my feet and a lot of other folks that I'm talking to. I don't think I'm alone in feeling like maybe the world is getting a little harder to understand, like it's maybe getting a little scarier by the day. As a parent, this becomes a little more acute. I am realizing that my kids are going to grow up in a world that I simply do not understand. I thought I was going to dodge having to ask my kids for, like, technical advice and stuff. But it turns out I'm just going to be another version of my parents who always had that 12 flashing on their VCR, and some of you will understand that reference. The world feels like it's getting harder to understand and a little scarier. I don't know how to help my kids think about truth and meaning in the world of AI. I don't understand it. Deep fakes, fake news, all these things. No clue. I don't know what to do with it. It's scary. 
The digital world is changing so fast it frightens me. Politics are scary right now. Culture seems to be getting more violent and unpredictable by the moment. How many shootings? How used to it are we getting? Pandemics and wars and storms and fill in the blanks. I'm not sure if I'm just getting old and this is how you start to feel when you get old no matter what time you were born or if we specifically live in a world that, feel, that is getting scarier by the day. I know for sure I'm exposed to far more than my grandparents ever would be because I know what's happening everywhere at any given moment. More than really one person should know or try to deal with. The world feels frightening. The earth feels, the earth feels like it's shifting under our feet. And there is a Greek term for this scriptures that we read today. The Greek term for this feeling is seismo, S-E-I-S-M-O. It's the same root that we have for seismic. In fact, today's text, when we read the great earthquake, when it talks about the great earthquake that happens, the original Greek actually reads megas seismos, mega earthquake, right? After the mega seismos in this text, those who felt the shaky earth beneath them move began to, same, same basic words, seo, seismic, with phobos, shake with fear. The earth shakes, and then they are deeply shook with fear. And we can relate. Because fear is the natural response when a seismic shift is happening all around you. The guards in the story are so shook that they ironically become like dead men in the midst of witnessing a resurrection. Then there are the women, Mary and Mary. It was kind of the mic of the day for women. Mary and Mary, who are still there, they don't become like dead men. They, as usual in the Gospels, show a kind of bravery that puts the men to shame. They are not like dead people. Instead, they are talking to this angel like lightning that seems to have caused the earth to move underneath their feet. And that angel instructs them, do not phobos. Same word for phobia. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the one that was crucified is no longer here. Do not be afraid because he has defeated death. Do not be afraid because, hallelujah, Christ is risen. I'm going to throw him in the middle so you guys better be ready. Do not be afraid of the death that has so traumatized you and took your teacher and your friend from in front of you. Death isn't what it used to be. Death has been put to death. This is Resurrection Sunday. And that shifting underneath your feet is the best news possible. Do not fear. He has the nerve to tell those women. It's easy enough, right? can't be that hard to accomplish, right? After all, it's the most frequently repeated command of these angels in Scripture, do not fear. We see it elsewhere in Scripture. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, rather a spirit of power and self-discipline. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So it's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty simple. We are called to say no to fear, and understandably so, because fear ruins everything. Fear immobilizes us. It makes us like dead men, or sometimes it brings out the worst in us. We, it brings out our claws. It shuts down our capacity for empathy and for love. It gets us hyper-focused on one thing above all, self-preservation, safety, security. 
And how can you really love while also prioritizing your own safety and security above everything else? So do not fear. It's just that simple, right? No more fear. That is a clear message to give in an Easter sermon, to leave you fired up, to send you out. Just stop being afraid. It's that easy. Well, it's that easy to say. Yet let's be honest. It's impossible to do. I mean, it's actually impossible to do. Not only is it impossible, I'd argue it's also a little bit dumb. And and, and bear with me here for a moment. It's dumb in the sense that there really is no completely getting rid of fear, and you wouldn't want to even if you could. I mean, you can try. You can make it your mantra. You can put it on your mirror and read it every morning. You can say it to yourself all day. It may improve your life. It may help you to not be controlled by it. But fear will always be part of our lives. In fact, it's kind of a valuable part of your life in some senses. If you genuinely walked around with an inability to experience any fear, you wouldn't last long. You'd wander into the traffic on 49 or try to pet the tiger at the zoo. Fear has its place. Complete fearlessness would be an opiate that would make us more detached, more ignorant, give you an unhealthy sense of invulnerability. Bad for you and bad for those around you. And none of those things would make you more loving, which we know was the point of it all. We don't really want to be completely devoid of fear, even if it was an option. But fear shouldn't be the only thing. We can't get rid of it altogether, but we should not be controlled by it. Do not let fear make all the decisions. Do do not let fear dictate the terms. It will be there, but don't let it have the final word. Which is why I love our story today. Because I love what it says in there and that you may have missed when we read it. You have the men who are immobilized and like dead men. Then you have these women who felt the same fear that caused them to be immobilized and act like dead people. They engage with that. That scares them. And then the angel tells them, do not fear and go tell the disciples. And then it says, quote, so they left the tomb quickly with fear, and great joy. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. They were just told not to fear, so they left with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Now that is an Easter message I can honestly endorse. Run with fear and great joy. I love that phrase so much. It's so honest and hopeful at the same time. Fear isn't gone. It never will be. But it is put into context by this movement, by this joy, by hope, by a mission. Resurrection means fear doesn't get to run the show, even if it always hangs around. Just as death doesn't get the last word, even though it has taken its toll on us, we are now resurrection people. And hallelujah, Christ is risen. So we don't plug our ears, we don't numb ourselves, we don't drug ourselves, we don't pretend like fear doesn't exist, we don't lie to ourselves to try and assuage our fear, we just don't let it have the last word. 
We don't let it make us act like dead people. We don't fixate on it. We don't ruminate on it. And you know how that works just like I do. Because if you're anything like me, there's times when you feel this pull to lean in to the fear, to focus on it, to feed it. I'm not sure why I'm that masochistic, but I don't think I'm alone. Stop doing that. It's poisonous to your soul. Fear will always be there, but we shouldn't lean into it that way. This is why I've personally stopped watching cable news or listening to any of its equivalents. I no longer personally give my time or money to those whose sole job is to keep me scared and tuned in. Because inevitably, it always began to give fear and anger the last word in my life. It discipled me in the wrong direction. It always led to me being afraid and feeling immobilized. But we are resurrection people. Are we afraid sometimes? Yes. But we run with fear and joy to do what we are called to do in this world. Because hallelujah, Christ is risen. The world might be seismic. It might be scary and violent and unpredictable and shifting underneath our feet all the time. But that is not the end of the story and that does not get the last word. We have something to do and we have the joy of resurrection. Fear doesn't get the last word. This is not about self-administering some religious opiate to pretend that things aren't what they are. We're not plugging our ears to the cries of those suffering. We're not covering our eyes to that which is obviously broken. We don't settle for self-preservation. We see it all for what it is, but resurrection doesn't let it end there. We give fear its proper place because we are resurrection people. We may not have all the answers, and we certainly aren't immune to what is broken in this world but we believe that death doesn't get the end of the story. And that personally is why I can't believe in these religious critiques as much as they sometimes ring true. Because I've witnessed something else. I have had the awful privilege of watching people of immense faith and hope face their own mortality, face death and fear itself. So you can't convince me that there isn't truth in our Easter celebration. I've seen it. My mother knew what was coming. It was a violent shaking of the earth beneath her feet and our feet, and there was fear. Of course, there was fear for all of us, especially for her. But her joy and her faith put that fear in its proper place. It was there, but thanks to the truth and her faith and resurrection, it did not get the last word. And it was an amazing thing to witness. Ironically, this is a little morbid, but I also saw her on opiates. I saw her graciously receive strong medicine needed to not feel when the time came, and I'm thankful for those. So I know what opiates did for her, and I know what faith and resurrection did for her, and I can tell you they are nothing alike. One numbed her, thankfully, but resurrection helped her to squarely face the things we all most want to avoid with hope and joy and perseverance. And she's not the only one. You, I, we all have a great cloud of witnesses who have done this same thing before us. Resurrection does not numb us to our death or anyone else's. It gives us the hope and joy to push through it. And that is the good news. The good news is, hallelujah, Christ is risen. 
Fear doesn't get to control us and death does not get the final word. We do not choose to be numb or ignorant or apathetic to a world that quakes beneath our feet. We are resurrection people. We have faith and we have a calling. So let us leave this world's tombs quickly. Let us run with fear and great joy to tell everyone the good news that death has died, that nothing will ever be the same again, and that, hallelujah, Christ is risen. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for this good news. That the thing that we fear the most in this world has lost its sting. That we can have faith and hope in resurrection. And the good news that there's something beyond the things that we see in this world, even that which scares us the most. So God, tonight we celebrate the resurrection. We commit ourselves once again to the hope and the joy that it brings. God, not so that we might ignore what is wrong with this world, so that we might walk boldly into it and push through it to the other side. God, thank you for your calling on our lives. May we run quickly from the tombs of this world with fear and great joy. We ask all this in your name. Amen.